0: I have uh, had many encounters with the Lord, several of them throughout my life, some of them very climactic and powerful, some of them subtle and and sweet and tender. Most of those encounters came because my grandmother would drag me to church and pick me up and take me. And when I was 12 years old, she dragged me to a revival. And I gave my life to Christ at 12 and served Him at the age of 12. And I was shocked by the amount of peer pressure that came against me. I wore a shirt to school. I was in junior high, and I wore a shirt to school that said, Hell ain't cool. And, uh, and it was a really, uh, let's just say it didn't do good for popularity. I was persecuted, I was mocked, I was ridiculed, they made fun of me constantly. They wouldn't even play sports with me because I was a Christian. One teacher in my school was a a, a Christian, and so she was very proud of the fact that I was wearing this shirt. And when she found out that I was a Christian, she made a public example of me and actually asked me to stand up and tell tell the whole class why I was wearing this shirt. So I had to stand up and tell the whole class that I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus. He saved me, and and, uh, let's just say that didn't help anything. The teacher was proud of me. But you know what happened, I, it was so difficult to serve God in a place where I was constantly attacked for taking a stand for Him. I wasn't doing anything to anybody, I just loved Jesus. wasn't hurting nobody, but for some reason my love for Jesus inspired attack against me. I remember leaving school for uh, Christmas break and we had two weeks off. And I got off the bus and all I could do as I walked home was praise God that I had two weeks that I would not have peer pressure against me to quit. Now eventually I would give up and I quit serving the Lord. And I came back to him at 16 and I made fully a full commitment to God. But you know what I would do to myself? If I could go to myself at 12 years old, I would grab myself by my shirt, look myself in the eye and say he's worth it all. He's worth it all. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish I could encourage myself to take that stand and continue that stand. To continue that fight for Christ. He's worth it, isn't he? He's worth the ridicule, the mockery. He's worth the blasphemy. He's worth the people attacking. He's worth all of that. At the time, all I could see was the attack. I didn't see God in all of that. But I look back now, and I see God's hand on me to do something great in that school. I didn't see it at the time, but I see it now. And I wish if there's one thing I can do this morning, I want to put courage in you. I want to put courage in you that when the enemy attacks you, you still stand. I want to put courage in you that, that when the enemy tells you you can't, you believe God that he'll make a way for you. I want to put a courage in you that, that, that you won't give up no matter what comes your way, that, that when the dust of all the struggle settles, that you'll still be standing right there saying, Yes, God, I want to serve you. I've, I've prayed for some of you. I've seen some of the things you've went through. Some of the things that you guys have went through, you shouldn't have made it through. But look, you're still here right now, standing after all of it. Standing even though the enemy tried to stop you from standing. You're still standing there. And sometimes there are times in our life that all we can do is just take our stand and stand there for. Amen. Paul said it four times. He said in verse 11, that you may be able to stand. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Then he said to take take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And then he said, having done all to stand, stand there for. Four times he repeats himself because standing is important, Christian. The only thing God is calling you to do is take the stand. Take the stand. He's not asking you to be all powerful. He's not asking you to heal anybody. He's got all the power. He's got all the healing. All He's asking you to do is take the stand. We need to stand with Him. We need to stand for Him. We need to stand by Him. And we need to stand against everything that comes against Him. We as Christians, we need to take the stand. We need to take it. The Bible's filled with people whose power, the God's power flowed through them because they took the stand. They chose to stand for God. Elijah would not be such a great story, but it's a wonderful story because one man stood against 800 prophets who said that there was no God, there's no God in Israel, but Elijah said, let the God who's God answer by fire, and one man stood against 800 false prophets and took a stand against them, and did not the fire of God fall? when, when, When Elijah said, God, show them who you are, because God's power moves through people who take a stand. Let me tell you, Christian, that if you never stand, you'll never see the power. If you never stand, you'll never see the glory. If you never stand, you'll be wondering why God doesn't do miracles through you or in you or around you. But when you take that stand and say no, I serve Him. I love Him. You can hate me. You can ridicule me. You can make fun of me. You can mock me. And you can say I'm an old fuddy-duddy. But none of that matters. I'm still going to stand here. The miracles Flow in people that stand. It flows, did not didn't it flow when Stephen stood at the temple steps? Acts is filled with men and women who stood for God. But Stephen stood at the temple steps and he began to proclaim the gospel news that Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day. And on the third day, he arose and he ever lives, making intercession. He began to preach this message and the Pharisees, they didn't like it. And the Sadducees, they didn't like it. And so they tried to outwit him, but the Bible said they could not overcome the wisdom that began to flow in Stephen. His his wisdom was no matter for them. No match. They they could not compete with the wisdom that was on Stephen. The Bible said that he was able to witness to him. The Bible gives one whole chapter in the book of Acts is Stephen's message about Jesus Christ and the gospel in the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. They could not outwit him so they said we got to kill him. They took up coats and witnessed a, a, a false witness against him. And the Bible said that when Stephen was standing for God, that Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus. Now here's something fascinating. Because the Bible always says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. You know what I'm talking about? He sits at the right hand of the Father. But the moment was so magnificent that Jesus wasn't sitting when he saw Stephen standing. Jesus stood up for, for Stephen said I see Jesus he's standing at the right hand of the father and he went into a sleep and he was in, and they killed him that day but Jesus stood for Stephen because Stephen stood for Jesus are you hearing me when we stand for Jesus Jesus stands for us Oh, yes, we need to take our stand, Christian. We need to take our stand. And Paul repeats himself continuously because it is the most important thing for you and I is to stand for God. To stand for God, it's the most important thing. Verse 11 is also repeated. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Verse 13, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. So Paul is repeating himself because it's important to repeat some things. Nobody teaches an important principle without repeating it. Some things need to be repeated. Mama, have you ever had to tell them again? Some things have to be repeated. Because it's important. If you want to give any principle of importance to your children, or you, if it's a life and death situation, you don't tell them once. You tell them again and again and again and again. I remember my kids. Uh, we were teaching them how to cross the road. How many know how you got to teach your kids? What do you tell them when you get up to the road? You don't just cross. You don't just run. You do this. You look. Somebody else has been teaching the same principle. Because it's a life and death principle, my friend. And that principle is important. On one occasion, my children were younger. And, and my, one of my, I can't remember which one it was. I just remember the, the reaction that happened in our minds. And how, and it was one of my daughters. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. But I can't remember which daughter. But she, she just come running across the street. And she didn't look. And mommy and daddy, you know what we started doing? We started screaming. We started yelling. It wasn't because we were mad at her or, or we were fearful that, that, that she may be hit by a car. And so we, we grabbed her immediately and we began with frustration and determination to teach this principle again. You don't cross the road, young lady, unless you look both ways. You don't do that. You don't And I wasn't, we weren't creating, we weren't, we didn't hurt her by teaching her that principle. We weren't angry or or trying to belittle her or make her feel less. We were trying to instil the importance of the principle. It's a life and death thing, my dear Christian. Understand this: that the principle of putting on the armor of God is a matter of life and death. And so Paul feels the necessary need. He feels the need to say once again: stand, 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 stand put on take up the armor of God and take your stand with God he says it over again because some principles are worth repeating Paul's like the carpenter who doesn't hit the nail one time but he hits it over again and over again until he fastens the nail firmly into its place I'll never forget my pastor telling me the story that, that one time the Holy Spirit gave him a word for the Sunday morning service, and he preached that word on the Sunday morning service, and he said it, it, it didn't, he said, didn't really, no, no good reaction, everyone, everyone just kind of looked at him, and, and nobody really responded, and, and so he went home, began to pray, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to preach that same message again in the night service, and he said, you know, Lord, uh, you know, that's not how you do it. You know, you, you're supposed to preach a different message on Sunday night than you preach Sunday morning. You know, that's the people are expecting that. And, and, and finally, he prayed through over his flesh and over his pride. And he preached that same message in the Sunday night service. And the breakthrough came in the Sunday night service because he obeyed the the Spirit of God and telling Him to repeat it. Sometimes things need to be repeated so that we get it. Amen? So that it sticks in our mind. I remember B.H. Clendenin telling a story at a a minister's convention. He said he was preaching. uh, He preached a message in the morning service, and and then the Holy Spirit told him, preach the same message, but give it a different title. So he got up behind the pulpit. He preached the same message from Sunday morning to Sunday night. preached the same message, just gave him a different title. And a man who was in both services sitting on the front row came to him after the service and said I never heard it said like that before you know what the devil's good at doing getting your mind to wander everywhere else you could be in church thinking about your turkey you could be in church thinking about all the things you're going to do after church is over you could be in church hoping the preacher will shut up so you can get out Come on, don't, don't look at me like a... I know you. I know you because I've been sitting where you sit. And I know what it's like to deal with all those things in your mind. One of the ways you continue to worship God is you engage your mind to the preaching of his word. That's another form of worship, my dear friend. Your worshiping isn't done just yet. You may be done raising your hands and praising God and singing a song to him. But right now you're still worshiping him because your mind is engaged to what I'm preaching right now. And if you let your mind wander, you'll miss what God's trying to tell you. You'll miss it. And so, so we have, sometimes we've got we've to repeat it. I like what Paul says in verse 13. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Take it up. That word take, Paul uses, it doesn't mean just to take, but it also means to take again. Take again. Because sometimes we have to continue to take it. Sometimes it has to be done. It needs to be repeated in our life. Paul repeats himself because there are times that we need to inspect or repair what has been been damaged in our life. Have you ever had to do spiritual inventory of your life? Have you ever had to inspect your own spiritual life? There are times that you're going to come to in your Christian walk that you're going to have to do a spiritual inspection. You're going to have to look at yourself and say, what am I producing? What's coming out of me? What What is going into me? You're going to have to look at that intently and ask yourself, what is coming in and what is going out? Because that is the measure of the level of your spirituality, my dear friend. Because a good cistern doesn't bring forth good good water or, or and bad water at the same time. And a, and, a, and a good tree doesn't bring forth bad fruit and good fruit at the same time. Jesus is talking about spiritual inspection. Sometimes we have to look at ourselves. So sometimes we've got to take it up again. There's That's the point of repeating. So Paul says, we repeat. Repeat it because it needs to be said again. And sometimes we need to recover things that have been lost. Have you ever lost it? Now I'm not talking emotionally. I'm talking lost the fire. Have you ever lost the passion? Have you ever lost the zeal? Have you ever wanted it back and you said, I don't know how to get it back. I don't know where to go to get it. And if you could go down to Circle K and buy it in a Coke and 89 cents, you'd go do it? But you can't do that. If you could go find it at Walmart, you'd go down there, you'd buy it, you'd get it, and you'd have it. But you can't get it that way because this isn't, this isn't some uh, thing you can purchase or it's not something you can just achieve by some money or some, uh, some uh, carnal way. But it's achieved spiritually. And so it requires a spiritual reaction. Come on now. And you have to get you have to to recover those things it needs to be repeated sometimes. Did not Jesus say to the church of Ephesus in Revelation, "Therefore remember where you left your first love? Look back where you once had it and where you once got where you once had it and go back and do the first works over?" Thank you. Over again. Go back and do it again. Sometimes we got to go back and do it because repeating is important for our lives you don't memorize some unless you repeat it come on amen otherwise all of you some of you would have the whole Bible memorized right now how often does a parent teach its child their child to clean their room let me tell you how often we teach ours thank you Every day, It's amazing. We have chores. You're not allowed to do anything until the bedroom is cleaned. Amen. All of it. You got, nothing happens until, the, until these things are done. And, and we make those rules simply because we don't want to smell their dirtiness. That's it. I don't want to smell their body odor. And I don't, I, so showers are imperative. Shaving has become an absolute necessity. Amen. (laughs) There are are things that have to happen because it's called hygiene. Amen. And so I'm forcing things. And you know how many times I have to repeat myself? Every single day. I'm afraid when they get their own home what it's going to look like. Matter of fact, I don't even know if I'll come to visit. I'll just knock on the door and say, I'm going to, let's visit on the porch. Amen. (laughs) Amen. There are are things that are constantly trained. The training is constantly being taught. And it's repeated because it is important to be repeated. And I know that things are working because when I tell my kids to do something, you know what they do to me? They go, oh, come on, really? Matter of fact, there's a new word that we're going to be banishing from our vocabulary. It's chill, Dad. Chill, Dad. I'm going to show what chilling looks like next time it's said to me. I'm going to pull off my belt, and I'm going to show them what chilling looks like to a parent. Because that word just irks me. Anybody got words that irk you, parents? Come on, say, parents say, amen. I got words that irk me, and chill. Chill just gets under my skin it just drives me nuts we're gonna banish that one but you know what I you know what I know I the test of the character of my children is not found in how they treat me it's found in how they treat you that's how I know my trainings working because when they go work for you or they talk to you, they, they give you the respect that I've been training them to give. Now, they don't give it all to me. Sometimes they don't give it to me at all. But sometimes they give it to you guys, and that's how I know it's it's working. The training is working. So the repeating is necessary for the future development of my children, your children. Parents, you understand what I'm talking about. It's repeated because it's important. And Paul repeats himself because it's important. And sometimes we need to, be re- we need to recover sometimes we need to inspect and sometimes Christian we need to to come back to something we've abandoned that's why it needs to be repeated think about this didn't Haggai the prophet wasn't his number one job to bring the people back to what they abandoned the Bible tells us that the prophet Haggai was prophesied to the people because they left the passion of building the temple of God they were supposed to build it and they left that passion and they began to do what they wanted to do. They were living in their homes, living their lives. And Haggai seven says this, consider your ways. How many remember that verse? powerful verse. Consider your ways. What are you doing right now? You're forgetting about God. You need to come back to God. And so things, things have to be repeated because we can abandon what is important in our life. Let me give you some doctrines, some biblical truths that we need to hear over and over again. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ needs to be repeated over and over and over and over again. Amen? Jesus died Jesus arose... He took our place. That gospel needs to be preached. Paul, what did Paul preach? Jesus died and was resurrected. What did Peter preach? Jesus died and was resurrected. What did the, what did what did John the Baptist uh, what did John the beloved preach? He preached Jesus died and resurrected. Every disciple, that was the message and they preached it everywhere. They preached it constantly. They preached it in every city. And so Christian, you may hear it over and over again and when Easter comes, you're definitely going to hear it again. Because it's important for us to realize and to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? We need to hear that again. I said, we need to hear that again. We need to hear about the baptism of the Spirit. There was a day in Pentecost where people come down, get saved, and then we didn't stop there. We would say, now that you're saved, get the Holy Ghost. Come on, right? We would tell them, be filled with the Spirit, because that's important. It's not something we do once. It's something we, we are constantly being filled. Paul said, be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That word filled is a continual filling. Sometimes we need it again. How many ever needed a double dose of the Holy Ghost? hmm I like double doses. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of you don't, but I like my double dose Matter of fact, if the Holy Ghost is moving on you, I might come close to you just so I can get a touch too. Amen. So, because I want another touch. Amen. What about the doctrine of redemption? Does it need to be repeated? Absolutely. The doctrine of fallen humanity, does it need to be repeated? Absolutely. What about the doctrine of grace? Come on, somebody say amen for the grace of God. It needs to be repeated. What about the commandments of God? Should we just ignore them and only say them once? No, they need to be repeated continually repeated. Now Paul repeats himself because he wants to do this. He wants to securely fasten the armor of God in our lives. He wants to securely fasten the armor of God in our lives at every point. He doesn't want you to half-heartedly wear it. He wants you to put it on with everything you got. Because Christian, listen, the half-hearted Christian, the one who doesn't wear it, doesn't put any fear in the enemy at all. The enemy can pulverize us without God's armor in our life. We have to have the armor of God in our life. If you're half-heartedly or loosely wear it, you're surely going to be beat up by him. Let me remind you what happened in Ephesus. See, Paul's writing to the church, the Ephesian church. That church is the church that was located in the city of Ephesus. When Paul comes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, he finds people that believe God, but they have not heard about the Holy Ghost in Acts 19, first couple verses. But then the Bible records about a a group of people called the seven sons of Sceva. How many remember the story of the seven sons of Sceva? The seven sons of Sceva, they tried to cast out a devil by using a formula that Paul said. He would say, in the name of Jesus, devil, come out. And so they thought, we can use that formula, and it works, because these are people who believed in the curious arts. They were into witchcraft and ungodly things, and so they, they believed that, they, that that's how they could do it. Well, when they did that to the devil, they came to a demon-possessed man, and they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the devil said, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who in the world are you? They weren't wearing no armor. They weren't recognizable in the spiritual realm of things. And the devil jumped on them beat them, and the Bible said they ran away naked. Seven sons beat by one demon-possessed man, and they ran away naked. Now, a great revival sprang from that, but the, the point that I want to bring out in this is that the place of Ephesus was an ungodly place, and what they needed was the gospel, the true gospel, and people who firmly wore the armor of God were the only ones who could really bring a lasting change to that place. Have you ever gone to a church that needed another touch of the Holy Ghost? Or needed to remember where their roots? Need to remember where they came from? Need to remember what God did for them? I've gone to some churches like Jude said, they're dead twice plucked up by the roots. Amen? They got no life in them. You wonder if they were saved. Their face didn't even say they were saved. They look like they had no joy. And when the songs were being sung, they didn't even open their mouth and sing. They didn't even raise their hands to give God a holy hand raise or a wave. I mean, nothing. He didn't get anything except their body on a pew. And that was it. What we need is the reviving of a heart. We need need the power of God that changes lives. And we can't have the power of God that changes lives living in a half-hearted way. Come on now, I'm preaching right now. Half-heartedness never brings the power. But when we're wholehearted to God, when we're fully committed to Christ, the power of God flows in and through our lives. Every, every gospel example, every story in the Bible is, 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 is about some man, some woman, who took a stand for God, not with their half-heart, but their whole heart, and did not God do great things in their lives? I can go from Genesis to Revelation of the stories that God did in people's lives because they were not half-hearted, but they were all, but they all belong to God. You have to firmly wear the armor. Listen, the predator singles out the weakest to devour. I said the predator singles out the weakest to devour. I have seen it in churches. I've seen it constantly as a pastor. The devil comes in. He causes a ruckus. And the pastor comes over and he puts the ruckus down, but it's inevitable. There's always one of the people involved in the ruckus who leaves the church. It's inevitable. And so I'm always having to go to those ones who leave in the time, in that difficult time, in that struggle. I'm always going, can't you see the enemy trying to kill you right here, right now? Can't you see the devil trying to bring you down right now? I've had to tell several people that because they allow the enemy to get them to scatter because the enemy comes running in and he does his roar and he gets people all messed up and it causes a great stir and the enemy gets people to leave. And because of it, the enemy has to, they need to be encouraged to come back again. Aren't you thankful that God believes in second chances? He does. He believes in second chances. The enemy wants to destroy us. But listen to this. Listen to this. Who suffers when we don't wear the armor properly or take it off? Three people, three, three things, three, three groups suffer. First, God suffers. There's no greater attack on the kingdom of God than a believer who doesn't serve God properly. Because when the enemy comes in, if you side with the enemy, you can do more damage marching in the ranks of the kingdom. Come on now. I'll give you a testimony. I have a, I had a friend in Bible college, actually my roommate in Bible college, a good friend of mine. We we would minister together and witness together. And one time he actually uh, came back from on summer break with me to California and stayed with me. And uh, he ended up pastoring in California because he loved California. So he pastored in California But somewhere down the line, he fell away from God. He even took his Bibles and he burned them. Now, he he won't talk to me because he knows I want to come talk to him about coming back to God. And so I even went to his job one day. I went to his job and I came to him and I, I, I said, I want to see you. And he wouldn't even come out and talk to me. He refused to talk to me because he knew he was going to have to answer to this question. Why in the world did you let the devil get you to burn your Bibles? How did you allow yourself to slip so far? Because, and he did more damage because he was one that was trusted with the gospel of Christ. Do you realize you are trusted with the gospel of Christ? And if you falter and fail, you're not the only one. Parents, you're not the only one. When you falter and fail, your children falter and fail. Listen, you're not, your grandkids falter and fail when you falter and fail. So you have to realize that, you're, that you can do more damage by not wearing the armor firmly. By not being firmly planted in the kingdom of God. You can do more damage to the kingdom of God. Because God has given you something that he hasn't given any sinner on this earth. He's giving you his grace. And if you take advantage of it and you abuse it. You teach others how to do the same. So not only does the kingdom of God suffer, but even other Christians suffer. There have been some people I could have won to God if they didn't join that carnal church. Oh, uh, uh, either you're sleeping or or you're just listening. You hearing me? I could have won some people to God if they didn't join that carnal church. Because the carnal church will tell you, you can live how you want and still get in. The carnal church will tell you, you don't have to worry about firmly wearing the armor of God. Oh, that's, that's not true. You just, you just live how you want, and you don't have to love God way, like you're supposed to. You just do what you want, and it's all okay. God doesn't care. That's not true. The cross of Calvary is because God cares about sin. Come on. Amen? The Bible tells us who won't inherit the kingdom of God. Who won't inherit the kingdom of God. There are a list of people, list of groups of things that are, that God, that Paul said that the Bible tells us that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But there are churches out there who will tell you, you can do those things and still inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask you, who's the liar? Is God's word lying or are the churches lying? I'm telling you the only way to get to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ and firmly standing our ground serving God and saying, I'm going to serve you, God, no matter what this world does. I'm going to serve you. I've seen Christians that I couldn't bring back or people they, that I could have won that I couldn't bring back because they were too caught up in this world. They were too caught up in the things and they went to a place that patted them on the back and gave them a religious stamp on the forehead and said, There you go. You get to go because you came to our church. Fooey. Fooey. We don't get to go because we come to church. We get to go because our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and we are changed by the Lamb of God. Amen? We are changed. Let me tell you something. If you're the same person you've always been, you ain't a Christian. Oh, come on. I said, if you're the same person you've always been, you are not no Christian. Because the Bible said, behold, all things become new. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. We've lessened the salvation work of God to some uh, intellectual assent or a commitment level. You come make a commitment to Christ. Come make a commitment to the gospel. Let me tell you something. There is commitment involved in salvation. But let me explain to you this. That commitment only comes from a heart that's been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. become a new person when you ask Jesus in your life you're not the same all things passed away did not the Bible said come out from among them and be separate saith the Lord didn't it say you are the light of the earth the salt of the earth Christian it is imperative that if we're going to win a world we've got to be different from them come on amen one thing I know about about sickness is it likes to spread You know, we have a rule in our home. You get sick, we love you from a distance. We call it quarantine. We make them stay in their room. We buy extra bottles of hand sanitizer. And we do everything we can to not spread it. But have you ever met a sick Christian? And I'm not talking about Physical sickness, spiritual sickness, I have. You met that Christian who comes to you with nothing but bitterness and anger and backbiting and spitefulness in their heart. You ever met them? Oh, they come to church, amen. They come. They do more damage. To people in the body because what happens is, is they began to spread that sickness by sharing it. They share it. My family, we like to share our sicknesses too. You know, if I get it, mama's going to get it. If mama gets it, one of the girls is going to get it. If the girls get it, Caleb's going to get it for sure. That's how we share it. It just passes down. Listen, there are some times you're going to come to the body of Christ and you're going to meet some sick Christian who's got some bitterness from some past or something or something in their heart that's in them that they they haven't been able to get rid of and they haven't prayed through on and they're going to try to share it with you and the devil's going to try to use it to make you bitter and to get you sick as well. Let me tell you a story, an example. My grandmother, before I ever came here, she came to try out this church when Pastor Schultz was the pastor. And she had never been into the church before. She didn't know anybody before. She just moved there. And so she came and tried out the church because it was a Pentecostal Church of God church. And my grandmother was a Pentecostal Church of God minister for many years. So she came to the church. And one of the ladies in the church grabbed her and pulled her aside, not even knowing who she was. And began to tell her everything that was wrong with the church. Not Hello, we're so glad you're here. Let the Holy Ghost just bless you and have a good time. And Je- no, no, let me tell you what's going on. Brother Schultz does this, and and we don't really care for that. And 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 we need more of this. And and these people over here, they're not really, you know, you need to be careful with. The- I mean, just began to gossip and backbite and bitter. And and my grandmother, w- who was a well seasoned saint, was able to deflect all of that because she was mature enough to realize this woman's sick, and I. I'm not going to get sick with her. It takes a strong Christian to be able to deal with the bitterness and the anger and the frustration of somebody else and be able to process that properly and not get bitter yourself. You need to be able to process it and put it aside because the enemy wants to use that sickness to make you sick as well. So you've to be careful. I'll never forget one time I was, uh, I went to a convention and I, I still remember the message. It's one of the greatest messages I've ever heard um, because of its effect on my heart. It was a simple message, but it was powerful. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the simple ones are the most powerful. And he, the, the preacher got up. He was a man of God, and he began to preach. And I'll never forget his title. His title was Choose. Choose. And he began to preach that message. And I want to try to preach it just like him. He'd get up, he's an older guy, and he'd just shake his head. Choose, he'd say, just like that. Choose, choose. And every time he said that word, my spirit would come alive. It, my heart for God would pulse. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? And the blood began to flow in my spiritual mind and heart. And I began to feel the life of God flow. Every, when the altar call was given, it, it was, the place was packed with ministers. There was, probably, there was probably only a couple ministers who still sat in their chairs. Everyone came forward just about. There were tears all over these altars. Ministers weeping and crying being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. I was one of them. And I was so blessed blessed by that powerful, powerful message that I was touched by that man of God. I went to another convention just a year later. I was sitting with another pastor and his wife, and I'll never forget this. I saw that man of God over there, and I pointed at him, and I go, that man is anointed. I'll never forget. And I began to express the message and what it did and how it, how it affected me. And you want to know what? That pastor's wife began to air all kinds of ungodly, dirty laundry. Stuff I didn't even need to know about. Stuff that wasn't even technically factual, it was assumed. When you pass around assumptions, my dear friend, you got an evil thing going on inside of you. I was not... Taken by her wisdom and knowledge of what this man was or where she thought of him. I wasn't caught up in what she thought. I was angry at what she was trying to do to me. I was frustrated with the fact that she was trying to sow into my heart seeds of doubt and these seeds uh, of bitterness towards something that there was an assumption about. It was an attack against another man, of God, and I wasn't going to sit there and just let it, let it, it sorb into me. Matter of fact, I quit talking to that person because I figured I better not share nothing with that person. Come on now. People who talk, they like to talk. Amen. And they keep on talking too. <laughs> Amen. So I quit, sh- I, I would never share another thing with that person. Matter of fact, I quit even fellowshipping with, with about passionate things that the Lord has done in my life because I didn't want anything. I knew this person loved to feast on bitter things. It didn't bless me what she said. It didn't encourage me what she said. She was trying to, she was trying to sow those seeds, and, it, and, and if it did not create the anger, it would, have, it would have troubled my own heart. Listen, Christian, you better be careful what you allow you, your ears to hear. Amen? Be careful. Now here's the last point and then I'm finished. Say amen or oh me, whatever. Not only only does God suffer, not only do other Christians suffer, but you suffer. When you don't firmly wear the armor, it's very easy for you as a Christian to start doubting God. When you don't firmly wear the armor, it's easy for you to shake away from God. And the doubt fills your heart, is God ever going to do it? Is God ever going to use me? Is God ever going to speak to me? Is God ever going to touch me? When, when am I going to get it? When is God going to bless me? All those doubts begin to flow into your heart because you aren't firmly wearing what God has placed in your heart. Are you wearing your helmet this morning? Are you wearing salvation this morning? Are you wearing the righteousness that comes from above? And not on this earth, not your own, but the righteousness that comes from above? Are you wearing the are you wearing the gospel of peace this morning? Are you wearing the belt of truth this morning? Are you wearing the shield of faith this morning that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy? Are you wearing the sword of the spirit, which gives your offensive weapon to attack the enemy? Are you are you geared up and ready for the fight? Because if you're not, you will surely doubt to a place to quitting. Because the enemy is relentless and consistent in his attack, my dear friend. And that's why it's imperative for you to put it on. Why do you think Paul says it twice? Put on the whole armor of God. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And in both those verses, he says that you may be able to stand, that you can withstand, and having done all to stand, stand there for He says it over again because it needs to be repeated. Because if you don't hear it again, you might doubt and might even slip away yourself. If you become sick, if you become sick, nothing tastes good to you. Have you ever been physically sick and you didn't want to eat nothing? Nothing tastes good to you. When you become sick, you have little desire for food. You can hardly accomplish anything. Anything except laying down in your bed. Spiritual sickness is the same thing. God's word no longer has a taste in our mouth. Because the spiritual sickness comes there. The desire to get more of God's word begins to fade away. Because there's a spiritual sickness. Christian, you suffer when you don't wear it firmly. When you don't put it on. Christian, put it on. Take it up. Do it again. If you got to recover it, recover it. Amy, come to the piano, sis. Listen. We can get into a bad case of the used tos. I used to be on fire. I used to enjoy the things of God. I used to pray. I used to read my Bible. I used to witness. I used to pay my tithes. I used to be faithful to the house of God. I used to love to hear the word of God. I used to love worship. I used to love, that's a bad case of the used to's. God is not looking for those, he's the power of God doesn't flow through used to's. It flows through the people who are determined to continue to stand flows through people who say, yes, God, I will still be standing here and I will still be serving you no matter what comes my way. No matter what attack comes against me, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to be pleasing to you. We need to get over the used tos and be the right nows. Come on, amen? The right nows. Right now I'm on fire. Anybody else in the house feel the fire? Right now, I want to worship. Anyone else feel the worship? Right now, I want to be pleasing to God. Has anybody in this house got that feeling in your heart? Does the Spirit of God still stir your spirit? Do you still feel the unction of the Holy Ghost still? Is there something in you that says, oh, I feel that fire once again. I need another touch, another blessing, another reach. I need you, God, to come down once again. Have you ever needed God to do it again? He'll do it again. Amen. I said he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Hallelujah. I don't want to be a used to. I want to be a right now. If I need to hear it again, God, tell it to me again. If I've lost it, God, help me to recover it. If I need to inspect it, Give me the courage to face it honestly. If I've lost it, God, help me to search diligently till I find it again. Paul says it twice, put on the whole armor of God. Then he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, four times. He says stand in some version that you may be able to stand. That you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Christian, be courageous. Take your stand. Take your stand even if the world hates you for it. Take your stand even if everyone rejects you for it. Take your stand if your family even ridicules you because of it. Take your stand. And call it an honor to suffer persecution because you stood for him. Call it an honor that you were able to pe- for people to ridicule you, mock you, and even make fun of you because you love him enough to stand for him. Take your stand. And when all of it's done, Christian, you'll be standing on the right side as long as you keep standing. Keep standing. Amen. Paul was able to say at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. Why do you think he said I fought a good fight? Because it was a fight to get there. I finished my course. That meant that God. Had a place and a plan for his life. And he was on that course. He said, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness and glory. He said, but not for me only, but for all them that love him and are looking for his appearing. Christian, fight the good fight. Take the stand. Represent your Savior well. Because he loves you. Because he loves you.